Welcome to Zenergy, the interactive podcast providing resources for building a better life. I am Zen Ashe. I am your coach, catalyst, and conduit to that better life. A coach draws out hidden potential in a subject. A catalyst sparks change and a conduit provides a connection. So I try to work on all of those things by accelerating mindset changes and replacing limitations with possibilities. And so today at this end of October, as we're getting to the the end of 2021, you know, kind of going into our Halloween season and Thanksgiving season and Christmas season, you know, we're going to talk about dedication. Um, so I have with me Rodney Smith. So say hi to the people. Hello, everyone. Hello. Happy to be here. And uh, I actually saw him on Facebook. I don't know. I, I don't know if he requested me or I requested him, but we ended up being Facebook friends and I was looking at some of his posts and I thought he would be an interesting person to come on Watch you know, as a craziness <laughs> <laughs> as a musician, you know, to kind of talk about this topic. Um, so what does dedication mean to you? Well, dedication to me, I think it um, it's akin to a lot of things. Um, dedication to me is loyalty. You know, I, it comes to, uh, what comes to mind is um, um, being a person of your word. You know, you promise to do something. You keep that promise, if at all humanly possible. You know, things come up from time to time. So you may have to break a promise, but it should be avoided at all costs. Um, dedication is um, it's an obligation. You know, it's um, it's. Um, it's 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 making a promise and sticking to it. Um, it's um, it's it's being that person, being dependable. You know, that's your dedication to your friends, your family, your job or whatever. Being dependable. Yep. That's what I kind of think about with dedication. I like I like all those things that you said, loyalty and, you know, being a person of your word and right. being yes. dependable. You know, what can people depend on you to do mm -hmm, that they exactly. trust you to do? You know what? Um, I was just listening to a book, you know, uh, a success book by the the person who does Success Magazine. Mm -hmm. And he was talking about he has this mantra or this way of thinking, basically, that he should give more than expected do right. more than expected. Right. And that that's kind of what I do. I under promise and over deliver. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So he was, he was just talking about how, you know, he kind of sets the bar really high for himself because he wants to have that reputation right. of, as you said, under promising and over delivering. And he mm -hmm. was even saying that there can be just really small things that you do. Like there's a, a person that he has a business contacts with and this person will pay a few days before the invoice is due. All of his okay. invoices, right. like they're due, mm -hmm. let's say this is October the 30th right. um, and the invoice is due November 1st, he would be paying it today or yesterday. And right. people are always right. kind of pleasantly surprised by that because they're not expecting it early. And that mm -hmm. just leaves a really good feeling. So he was like, you know, for the price of a couple of days, I'm able to make a good impression. So they have kind of set some certain standards that they're dedicated to and that they want to consistently provide 
Right. Um, and and, and as, as you said, they're loyal to that. They want to be people of their word where people can count on them. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. You know, I, I, I kind of yeah. built a reputation on that, you know, because, uh, you know, um, my old band, uh, our band leader is a homeboy from high school. You know, we've been playing music together since we were 14 years old. And uh, he said, man, you're the only one I don't worry about. Because <laughs> if you're supposed to be here, you're going to be here. I ain't got to check on you or nothing like that. I got to find all these other cats, you know. I got you. So were you always dedicated? You know, you're talking about your band member, mm -hmm. you know, saying that since high school. Was that something that you developed in high school? Uh, was it something you were raised with or was it something that you got, you know, as you got maturity. Let me tell you something that was pounded in my head from a child. Mm. Uh, you know, my parents would jump on me if I told someone I was going to do something and then decided not to do it. You know, you make, you make your bed, you lie in it. You said you was going to do it. You better do it. And I got in trouble, you know, for stuff like that. So that really just stuck with me. So, you know, I haven't always been dedicated, but I've been dedicated a long time. <laughs> I got you. I got you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was my parents thing, man, especially my dad. You know, he was all about honor and integrity. That was his thing. Yep. Honor and integrity. Those are those are two powerful words. I, you know, I'm, I'm in the D's and E's right now, in the podcast, but I'm definitely going to have honor and integrity um, <laughs> as concepts to cover right. a little down the road, because those are. You know, Zenergy is all about the urge for more peace and fulfillment in life. And mm -hmm. um, so every week we're talking about a different concept that leads to peace and fulfillment, but also success, you know, because success is part of fulfillment for many people. Mm -hmm. But to me, dedication ties into that because when you have decided who you're going to be, that gives you a lot of peace because you can eliminate a lot of unnecessary decisions and a lot of unnecessary conflict because you've already decided I'm dedicated to this path. You know, I'm dedicated right. to this outcome. I'm mm -hmm. dedicated to being this kind of person. And so it just eliminates a lot of things. You don't have to even consider it. Right. Um, and so it just simplifies life in some ways to, to figure out what you're dedicated to. And, you know, one thing I have a guided journal and one of the pages in there, it, tells uh, the, the person who's journaling to list their values, their goals, mm -hmm. and then see if those values and goals mesh. Because if you're going to be dedicated to accomplishing this goal, but it actually conflicts with one of your key values, you may need to tweak that goal or adapt it to where it's not going to be a conflict because otherwise you're going to probably sabotage yourself or you're not going to be consistent yeah. you know, in, in the way that you're approaching that goal. Because right. it really is a little bit or maybe go about it a different way. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. So it's great that you were, you know, that your parents raised you that way and that you grew up being dedicated. A lot of people can't say that. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, with dedication, you know, there comes some effort that exactly. you have to put forth. Mm -hmm. um, and then that brings into play things like motivation, you know, laziness, procrastination. So it, do you feel like it's just a matter of I made a decision, so I'm going to discipline myself to do it regardless of how I feel? 
Is that how you approach it or do you have other ways? Well, that you it's that. It? And uh, let me tell you, I ain't going to lie to you. <laughs> I can be as lazy as they come sometimes. But I think a lot of it is knowing that you have a task to complete, uh, a job to do. So, um, you know, when it comes down to it and it, once again, that goes to being being reliable. You know, if I know I have to get this, that and the other done by a certain time. You know, I might I might wait a while to get myself together, but I'm not going to wait till the last minute because I don't like rushing. Rushing is that stress. I try to live as stress free as possible. So I want to be ready way ahead of time. You know, if I have a lot of material to learn, you know, I said I'll say to myself, OK, by this date, I want to be here. I want to have this all down pat. Then I'll move on to the next thing. By this next date, I want to be here. And then, um, you know, that last week leading up to whatever project I'm working on, all I want to do is straight run throughs, you know, because, um, you know, the effort that you have to put into music, it's more to me, it's more than practicing until you get it right. You got to keep practicing until you can't get it wrong. Hmm. I like that. I like that. You know, um, there, there's a, a kind of parallel with poetry, with spoken word, mm-hmm. because there's the actual memorizing of the words. Right. And right. that's the practicing, the initial practice. Mm-hmm. But then there's a practicing of the performance because right. you don't want it to just be words. You want it to be a whole experience where your body is involved, your face is involved. You have different hand gestures. And, you know, I remember um, one of the poets that I perform with, I performed with her several times. She was talking about her now husband, brother Mm -hmm. Malcolm. And she was saying that she learned from him. She would watch him. And every time he performed a piece, he did it exactly the same way the same hand gestures, the same facial movements, everything was exactly the same. Mm-hmm. And she realized that it wasn't just that he'd memorized the words, he'd memorized the performance. Right. You know, he, had, yeah. he had decided a certain way to deliver that piece. Mm-hmm. He had decided the most effective way to deliver that message. And so he had memorized and gotten in the sense that muscle memory, you know, right. Right. to where, as you were saying, he couldn't get it wrong. He couldn't forget it because it was almost a muscle memory where his body was getting, you know, as he was getting to a certain part of the poem, his body was already ready to do that, that hand motion or that eye motion or that smile or that frown or whatever it was, you know, so you, you have that performance aspect of it. And so I think there's, I like to have it together until I can, just do it in my sleep, basically. And see, yeah. that that leaves stuff open for me to think in my head. You know, I can look out to other band members and, uh, you know, be ready for certain cues. Because sometimes some people might change the song in an instant. So if you're busy worrying about notes, you're going to miss that cue. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it gives me room on stage to think about other stuff. If 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 my hands are doing it automatically, you know, it, it leaves some brain cycles to uh, be able to um, react to different things. I, I agree with you. I, I understand that. I definitely understand that. Um, 
Yeah, that you have to have, I think, I think with performers, there is a certain level of, of some people say a level of crazy to <laughs> us uh, and other people say a level of perfection. Um, yeah, and, to a certain extent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, so there is there is that dedication, you know, um, there was a book called Outliers. I think it was Malcolm McDowell. And he was talking about how to be an expert at anything. You had to have 10,000 hours of practice. Yeah. And that's when you got to the expert level. Mm-hmm. And that could take, you know, however many years to get there. But then once you had that 10,000 hours of practice and you you knew what you were talking about, you knew that material inside and outside. And then he was saying also that those people who were experts also realized that you can't stop in a sense, because just because you know that song, you might not have played that song in years and it's still there, but there still is a a, a rustiness that will develop. Mm -hmm. Haven't been dedicated to continue to practice. Right. To continue to, you know, from time to time, pick up your instrument or from time to time, you know, perform for me, perform that poem, mm-hmm. you know, so you can't, in a sense, sit on your laurels and. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And just say, oh, well, I'm, I've been doing this for five years already. I don't have to practice. Right. You know? Right. Because uh, yeah, uh, some of that stuff will es- escape me. You know, like you said, I could have been playing a piece for years. And then all of a sudden they count it off and it's like deer in headlights, you know, <laughs> it's, it, it'll just escape you. And it could be the right. pressure of being on the stage or whatever. Right. Um, so right. that's, that's why, uh, you know, you, you, you work on it until it's almost like a reflex. Right. And then it could be new environments. Cause I remember um, I, I tell the story all the time. You know, one of the first times that I played in a bigger um, arena uh, and it wasn't that big, but it was, you know, I was used to, I guess you could say, being almost on the same level mm-hmm. as the audience. Right. And here it was an elevated stage. You had to walk up steps and then there were spotlights all along the stage. And so, you know, they hand me the mic and I'm starting my piece and I look out and I'm looking at the first the first few rows at first. And then I look out beyond that and it's total blackness. I can't see anything. And I had uh-huh. never had that happen before. I had never been in that situation where the spotlights just, you know, drowned out the whole audience. And all you could see was the first two rows. And for a uh-huh. minute, I just lost whatever the line was. I ad lib because I could not remember a thing. Yeah. And, and then it came back to me and I kept going. But I called up one of my friends who was a singer. And I said, mm-hmm. I just performed and I couldn't see anything but the first two rows. The whole audience was black. And he said, go in your closet, close the door and perform in the dark. Right. He's like, yeah. when you get to those big stages, it's going to be like that every time. Mm-hmm. It's going to be black. You're not going to see anything but the first you know, few rows. And I was like, OK. So, you know, sometimes there has to be a dedication to trying out different ways to do things, you know, get prepared for different scenarios. Yeah. Uh, You know, in my old band, they had a habit of um, changing the set list, like on the fly. And this particular time I was playing guitar and keys at the same time. Mm. 
and uh, I had like three keyboards and at home I would practice. I would um, I would make a CD of our whole set list and then I would push the button and put it on random. So mm-hmm. I didn't know which song was going to come up. So ah. I would I would actually ch- practice changing programs on my synthesizers um, because sometimes in between songs, it takes a while to me to find the sound that I need for that particular song. So I just uh, would practice changing the programs and uh, getting to the right song to the, to the right sounds quickly, you know, just little things like that, that, you know, you, you got to practice and be dedicated to, um, you know, working on little stuff that you wouldn't even think that you'd have to work on. That's true. So do you think that dedication is important in goal setting? Yeah, because it's really, you know, another thing about dedication and dedication is kind of a commitment. So when you make a goal, you know, in, in order to get there, you're going to have to commit to whatever it takes to to meet that goal. Sure. Yeah. Um, I Again, I cannot remember this book that I just read, but the title of it, I remember so many points in it. One of the points that this guy who uh, runs Success Magazine made, he was talking about when people start on a goal, mm-hmm. they aren't some of them are not truly dedicated and they get Mm -hmm. frustrated because they don't get immediate results. Right. Um, Right. Oh, it's called the compound effect. That's what it's called. And so he was talking about people, people downplay the overtime effects. You know, Mm -hmm. they don't realize if I do a little bit every day, it adds up over time. Like if you save a little bit of money, you know, every paycheck yeah. over years, it really adds up. Right. Whereas somebody else could say big bulks of money, but they don't put in those years. So it doesn't, they don't end up with the same, you know, amount of money at the end. Yeah. So he was talking about in the old days when they had the water pumps and you had to pump the handle mm-hmm. and you would have to pump and pump and pump because it's bringing, it's building suction. Right. And you could pump 20 times and nothing's happening. And then finally you get a couple of drops. And then some people would get frustrated. Man, I've been pumping 20 times and all I got was two drops. But they don't (laughs) realize that if they just put in a couple more pumps. Right. All that water is going to come gushing out. And then once the water starts gushing out, you just have to tap it a little bit. You don't have to keep pumping with all your force. But if you stop completely. Mm-hmm. The suction will cease and then you have to start it all over again. Right. The process right. all over again. So he was basically trying to encourage people that momentum comes from dedication. Mm-hmm. That when you're doing that pumping, you're building momentum. Right. And he also mentioned the um, when we were kids, a lot of us went to the playground and you had the merry-go-round and everybody hauled onto the merry-go-round and it's still and it's heavy. Mm-hmm. And you all have to start running on the side of the merry-go-round to get <laughs> right. it to move. Mm-hmm. But then once it's moving, you you are flying. You right. know what I'm saying? You are flying. Right. And it only takes just every now and then for somebody to get off when it starts to slow down and just do a couple of steps, just a couple of little runs and jump right back on. Because yep. the momentum keeps it going. 
Right. But it took so much. It took like all of you in the right. beginning. At first. Right. To, to get it moving. But mm-hmm. then it only took one, you know, one or two of you to keep it moving. So right. he was talking about people just don't understand that it takes a lot of effort to get a project off the ground. It takes a lot of effort to get the momentum behind it, the the support behind it. But then once you get that there, then it takes less effort to keep it going. And people are not sometimes willing to put in that dedication at the beginning. And they're not willing to keep just putting a little bit of effort, you know, to keep it going. Because once they get it going, sometimes they want to just... Ah, oh, it's finally going. Let me relax. <laughs> Let me right, do right. So yeah, I, I can coast now. <laughs> I can coast, <laughs> but they don't realize that they got to do a little pumping or they got to do a little running just to keep that wheel spinning, just to keep that suction in the pump going. You know. Yeah, you got to push a little bit really uphill in order to get to the other side where you can ride it on down. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's uh, I think it's patience also. You know, that's a part of it, too, you know, because we live in the in the give it to me now society, you know, and uh, everybody wants stuff to happen immediately right now. Give it to me now. I don't want it later. Give it to me now. But uh, some of the stuff, you know, some of the good stuff takes a bit of patience and you have to develop and work on stuff. And uh, like you said, put in effort put in effort, sometimes you don't see the fruits of your effort for quite a while. But knowing it'll come, you know, I guess that's the motivating factor, knowing something's going to happen. Right, right. You know, um, I I read a book called The Power of Now. And um, one of the concepts that was trying to get people to understand is that we actually only have now. The past mm-hmm. is a memory. Right. The future is a prediction. Mm-hmm. And we only have now. So if you are constantly feeling like I'm not going to be happy until something in the future happens, then you're not going to be happy because right. you can't necessarily control what's going to happen in the future. You right. can try your best mm-hmm. to make that future happen. Mm-hmm. But what you do have control of is this moment and right. enjoying the journey. Right. So I think sometimes something that helps people be dedicated is enjoying the journey, realizing, you know, I'm learning, I'm growing right now at this moment. I'm mm-hmm. becoming the person that I want to be right now at this moment. I'm experiencing, you know, the connection with the band or the connection with the audience or the connection with the other poets or whatever. Right now at this moment, I may not be where I really want to be, but I'm not where I was, you know, and and to really embrace that and to to enjoy it, to just revel in it, to celebrate it. And then that can kind of help us to stay dedicated to the process because the process then doesn't seem so long and tedious and boring. It's more of an enjoyment of the process and enjoyment of the journey. Right. You know, it's kind of like I remember when we used to travel when I was a kid, you know, Mm -hmm. sometimes you would have those. We ain't stopping. Did you go to the bathroom? We're not making no stops. Are we there yet? (laughs) And then sometimes you would have those trips where you're like, 
we're going to stop at all of these places on the way because I want you to see all of these different little stops. And to me, the second one was the most enjoyable because you had so many things to look forward to. It wasn't just the final destination. Right. It was all the little pit stops on the way. You know, right. like even just stopping at a Bucky's, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, you know, they got the great restrooms and stuff. And, you know, you get to get the little snack. What snack can I get? Can I get right. this snack? You know, I mean, you get to get the snacks. That was that was a great, you know, when I was a kid getting snacks on the ride. <laughs> that was right. that was right. exciting. Paid chips and M&M peanuts. <laughs> <laughs> so I think sometimes we may need to, as adults, sometimes we forget. Mm-hmm. That inside of us is still a little kid. Oh yeah. Oh that yeah. still wants snacks on the journey. You know, mm-hmm. still wants some little, you know, pat on the back, still wants some stickers. You know, so we have, I think, I feel, I believe this is what I tell people that are going through my guided journal. I give stickers with my guided journals. And I also say, you know, have little celebration breaks. Mm-hmm. You know, stop mm-hmm. from time to time and and Give yourself credit for what you've accomplished mm-hmm. because that is motivation to keep going. Right. You know? Right. And we can forget and we can overlook. And we're so used to most of us looking at the negative, mm-hmm. you know, rather than actually seeing, man, I have come so far. Right. Wow. I'm, I'm proud of myself. I may not be exactly where I, where I, again, where I want to be, but man, look at how far I've come, you know? Yeah. Yep. There's always stuff that you can um, you that you get get an opportunity to add on during the journey too. you know, um, I've always been uh, a person that doesn't mind being a lifelong student. Mm-hmm. You know, you can always learn. And, you know, I see some new artists coming out and, you know, they're doing their thing. And sometimes they might go about playing the guitars in, in a way. I was like, dang, I didn't think of that, mm-hmm. you know. And I'll, I'll, I'll steal from you in a minute. You know, <laughs> if I see something good, I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to try that right there. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the same thing with poets. You know, um, I remember I was um, I was at a show and there was a poet named Duchess Pendragon and she did this piece uh, called Naked, you know, naked. so she actually naked. Yeah. <laughs> so she actually had the audience. She was like. You know, when I say this, I want you guys to say naked. You know what I mean? So she would right. be like, I want to see you. And then the audience would say naked. You know what I mean? <laughs> and it was so awesome. But I was like, I love that. I had never thought of incorporating the audience like that and having a prompt for them to say that word, whatever the word right. was. Yeah. Um. So there was a poem that I had written, one of my first poems that I had performed. Okay. Mm-hmm. And it was a metaphor poem called Blue Water Green Tree. And I said, rather than me um, have them fill in the word, like when if I were going to say, you know, I want to see you and they would say naked, I was going to use a hand gesture. So mm-hmm. I said, OK, when I do this, you know, I want you guys to say water. And when I do this, you know, I'm trying to get in front of, you know, this, I want you to say tree. So I was, you know. I would do that and the audience would give me the word. And so right. I kind of adapted it to fit a poem I already had, but mm-hmm. it really helped the audience to understand that poem because the poem was about an abusive relationship, you know, mm-hmm. the woman being the tree, the man being the water, and basically, 
you know, it really helped them understand the relationship between the water and the tree, right. you know, that water can be wonderfully nourishing and water can also drown you and tear you to shreds. Very you true. Know? Very true. Um, and so sometimes in relationships, we have that double sided, um, you know, problem mm-hmm. that, that we get with the wrong type of water. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, you don't want that poison water. Right. That, that acid rain. You don't want the acid rain. <laughs> no, none of that acid rain. No pollution in my water. Right. You know, so it was it was something. So I was able to learn from her how to, you know, use the audience in that way. Mm-hmm. And so I think that role models, you know, even even people who are your contemporaries can help you up your game, you know, just by you paying attention to what they're doing, by you getting inspiration from them. You know, so it's great that you were talking about, you know, the the young guys coming up and how you learn some techniques from them. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it doesn't, you know, Bruce Lee used to say, it doesn't matter where it comes from. If Mm. it helps you out, use it. Mm. Yes. Yes. That's awesome. So as a, musician have you ever had like an accountability partner you know that kind of you would be like hey you practice or you ready for this show or you know have you ever had somebody like that to kind of help you be dedicated or were you somebody were you ever that person for somebody else (laughs) well uh i can't really say that i've been that for someone else but um you know i think uh you know, Bill, that's a, from my old band, our band leader, you know, he just had a habit of, of, of checking up on people from time to time, you know, especially if he knew a piece was kind of difficult to play. And, uh, you know, I get a phone call from him and, uh, he'd say, uh, Hey man, how you making out with that? Uh, such and such a song. He said, I'm sitting here trying to do, I'm trying to, trying to get it together, man, but some of these notes ain't sticking. I said, man, <laughs> That uh, that thing you picked is a humdinger. I say I'm working on it, but uh, yeah, it's coming along slow, you know. So, um, and even the the band leader I have now, you know, every now and then I'll get a call from her, you know, and uh, and uh, she kind of motivates me sometimes because you know she's always, you know, I'm kind of I'm kind of a slow writer as far as putting together my own material, you know. Mm. That's something I have to work on, you know, because, uh, you know, I run short on ideas. Well, mostly it's it's lyrics that kind of slow me down because, you know, I can come up with a groove like that. But to put the words to it, that 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 usually takes me some time. But she'll she always share her stuff with me before she puts it out there. And uh, and a lot of times she's just looking for feedback, you know, and uh, she said, well, what do you think of this? And uh, this is an idea I'm working on. What do you think of that? You know, and uh, sometimes that that motivates me. I'll get up out my chair and I'll turn on the keyboards <laughs> or, I'll t- or I'll pull out my guitar. You know, I'm, I might even if it's not too late at night, I might sit back on my drum set, you know, all that kind of stuff. So sometimes uh, sometimes you, you, you have somebody that kind of makes make the juices flow, as it were. Okay. I like that. I like that. So as far as like um, your musical career or your journey as artist, what do you think dedication has done for you in that 
journey? Well, it um, it uh, it it contributes to your skill level because you got to have that dedication to practice all the time. Um, I don't get it in every day like I used to in my teen years. But um, after I've been a few days, I said, come on now, you got you, you, you got to pick it up, got to pick it up, got to do something with it. You know, like uh, probably after this, I'm probably going to do a run through of the latest material I got to learn. So, you know, because I had I didn't hit it yesterday. I think I hit it the day before yesterday. So it's about time for me to get with it again, you know, and then, um, you know, I, I want to. um um, just start uh, studying some other stuff that, um, you know, these other techniques, like I said, from the, from the young cats, you know, pull up some videos and try to figure out what they doing that I'm not doing and, uh, you know, add to the repertoire, as they say. Um, but yeah. Okay. That's, that's awesome. Yeah, it keeps it, it, a dedication keeps you evolving because mm-hmm. just when you think you the bomb, <laughs> you gonna see somebody else that's the bomb diggity <laughs> so right 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 so you know sometimes it 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 puts you in the mindset of man i thought i was good but i got to get on my game and i think that's why it's good you know sometimes people have a competitive uh mindset and and there's a certain place for competition right but I think that it's also good when you go out and you just support other artists and mm-hmm. you go out and you just sit in the audience. You don't have to be on stage. You don't have right. to be the one in the limelight. You're just there to support because when you're out there in the audience and you're watching the other performers and you're watching the audience respond to them, mm-hmm. it gives you a different perspective than when you're up on stage. Right. And yeah. and then it can make you think of ways that you can um improve, mm-hmm. ways that you can grow. Right. Um and, and like you said, sometimes you like, man, okay, I saw how the audience reacted to that. Okay, I want that. So I'm gonna go and do X, Y, and Z. The next time I go on stage, I'm gonna I'm gonna be super ready, you oh. know. So <laughs> Yeah, so that that comes back to that competition, but also it comes back to that. I think that it keeps the the love of the art form fresh. Right, right. Because, you know, I know when I go out, you know, I know what it takes to fill a room. Mm. That can be a, a, a daunting task. Right, yeah. To sell those tickets and get people to come, uh, you know, get off their couch. Right, you know, right. Get off their phone, get yeah. in their car, and drive somewhere, and have to spend money to get that <laughs> ticket. You know, so I know what that's like. Um, and then to see someone else do it, and see them do it well, and to see how they put together their show. You know, okay, I, I, I put together my show slightly differently than that. That's interesting. Okay, I wonder why they did that. You know, you're just kind of going through a lot of things in your head, and you're like, okay, I can learn from that, or I can. You know, I see I see some different some different things, you know. Mm-hmm. So I think that you have to be dedicated from many aspects, um, you know, as a performer, um, as a part of the art community, mm-hmm. as a person who 
is trying to, to build positivity in the community. I think there's so many different ways to look at it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just to push yourself, like I said, just to push yourself yeah. to constantly evolving because, you know, somebody said, if we're not growing, we're dying, you know? Right. So, right. <laughs> so yeah. to try to just constantly get better. I mean, I remember it's amazing to me sometimes when you see people who have been performing mm-hmm. for decades and then they get up on the stage and they are just, they just blow you out of the water because they've never stopped evolving. They've never stopped perfecting their craft. Right. You know, right. like I remember everybody made a big deal about Aretha Franklin getting up and singing opera. Right. Right. She was just, she's just an R&B singer. She's just a right. gospel singer. Yeah. She's a piano player. Okay. Right. And then that girl, woman, diva got up mm-hmm. there and sang opera right and people were like oh 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 it was kind of <laughs> like that for me with uh with jill scott mm-hmm. I, the first time i saw her live there's a there's a section in her show where mm-hmm. she breaks into this operette mm-hmm. and i was like oh go ahead go ahead stuff <laughs> yeah you can do that <laughs> right right and i, yeah, I think that's you know, I was uh, I was at an event today. Um, my nephew actually had a baby shower earlier today, and uh, I actually had bought some gifts for my family. Um, and one of the ladies there, who happens to be one of my sister's best friends, she was like, "Where did you get this stuff from?" I'm like, "Well, this is a part of my store. I'm putting it into my store. Is it was actually worry stones." But I wanted to give them some because I thought that, uh, and I, I've got some over there. I'll, I'll show them in a minute. Um, I thought that they would just enjoy, you know, the worry stones. They're beautiful things. It's, it's a ancient tradition. I'm gonna I'm reach over here and get them. Yeah, I've never so, heard of that. I have brought some, but I'm bringing that up because, you know, this is an example of a worry stone. It's got this thumb indentation. Uh-huh. And you basically put your thumb in the thumb indentation and you rub it. And it's like an ancient fidget spinner. <laughs> so they okay. actually come okay. in different colors and different, you know, all kind of different colors and shapes and things like that. So anyway, I had let them pick out some and she was like, what else do you have? I was like, oh gosh, I got all kinds of stuff. You know, I got magnetic bookmarks. I have guided journals. I have, she's like, you do all this stuff. I'm like, uh, yeah, I perform. I have a podcast. I write books. I write guided journals. I have inspirational merchandise. I'm a designer. And she was like, oh, cause I, I couldn't stay the whole time for the, for the baby shower, you know, right. cause right. I had my grandkids had a birthday party and then I had to go to the baby shower. Then I had mm-hmm. to come home to be here with you. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> She was like, Oh my gosh. I, I didn't mean to snatch you away from the baby shower. No, no, no. I had already planned. I had already planned everything. You know what I mean? Right. Um, but they were already wrapping up anyway. It actually ended at five, but you know how people like hang out right? and Absolutely. hang out. So I hung out till almost six. Mm-hmm. So, you know what I mean? So technically it was long over, but right. you know, so, uh, but anyway, people don't know, you know, and, and as an artist, you know, people are evolving, you know, 50 Cent is going into directing and, and, and writing screenplays. And, you know, you have rappers that have become actors, you have, you know, singers who become dancers, you know what I'm saying? People Mm -hmm. evolve because we have, 
in a sense, a dedication to just the craft of art and wanting to be, you know, able to express ourselves in many different ways. Right. And so I think that that's, we should always be evolving. We should always be testing the limits and trying to see what can I do next? Um, right. You right. might want to like, you might want to get behind the scenes and be, you know, producing music instead of, you know, playing it, you know, there's different ways to evolve. There's different aspects to the business, you know? So I just think that it's really great when you're dedicated to true artistry that you just continue mm -hmm. to evolve and you continue to look at how can I grow? Mm -hmm. What helps me? What, right. what inspires me? What, you know, what lifts me right. and then bring that into your craft, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, and, you know, um, back when I was a police officer, um, none of nobody on the police department really knew I played music. Nobody mm -hmm. knew. That was like a um, I kind of consider that uh, a, a second lifetime. You know, <laughs> I was uh, I was I was playing music from the time I was about 11 or 12. Was in my first band when I was 12 years old and um, but participated in that up until I was about 19 or 20. And when I was uh, when I was about 18, I got in my first real professional band. We thought we were we thought we were rock stars because <laughs> we had a manager and and the manager had a van and a uh, truck for us to use to move equipment. We mm. had roadies, mm. you know, all I had to do. I thought I was cool. I, I, all I had to do is walk up with my guitar. They'd have my amps and, and my pedals and everything all set up for me. All I had to do was just plug in. And I was ready to go, you know, and then um, and then I left that band and um, I was working at the FBI at the time. And uh, the PG County Police Department was uh, was recruiting. You know, they were under a mandate from the State Department or something to make the police department more reflective of the community. So mm. they were looking for minorities. So mm. I got in on that boat ride. And so, um, so I kind of, I kind of separated the two, you know, I'd still practice at home on my own, but I wasn't gigging or anything, you know? So, uh, a lot of those former colleagues see me on Facebook and they say, when did you start playing guitar? I was like, when I was 11. <laughs> yeah. And man, I had no idea. Man, yeah. One of the, one of the many things I do. Well, you know, um, that, that similar thing happened to me, you know, um, I had been writing when I was a kid, I had mm -hmm. written in high school, I wrote in college and then, uh, I got married and I had an ex-husband who really didn't support writing very much. In fact, mm -hmm. he didn't even let me have a private journal cause he would read all my stuff. So I just stopped doing the journaling cause that was supposed to be private. That was supposed to be where I was supposed to vent. You need the so, thing so with the lock to on it. Yeah. Yeah. I needed a lock on it. He probably would have broke that. And, and, but anyway, so during my marriage, I got away from writing. Then when I got divorced, I went right back to it, especially because my kids were leaving the nest. I was going to be an empty nester. So I had more time. Mm -hmm. And then the dedication of course came back because I had certain goals. You know, when I was a kid, I wanted to publish books, you know, mm -hmm. that right. was one of my bucket list things. Right. And now, okay, I'm, I'm, you know, at that time, this was what, seven years ago, mm -hmm. um, 40, 
what, three, 40. So I was 43 back then. Um, and I hadn't done it yet. So I'm feeling like, oh, I'm running out of time. I'm running out of time. I need to get to work. <laughs> so I started writing more. I started publishing articles. Started, you know, and then people were like, you write? Yeah. 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 And then, then I started performing. You perform? Yeah. You know, and now, now it's like, okay, when do you sleep? You know, <laughs> so I do sleep. Um, yeah. Okay, because I don't know when you sleep. Because like I don't know how you do all the stuff you do. Um, and and I'll say that talking about dedication. I remember I was listening. I think it was Les Brown or it might have been Eric Thomas. I can't remember. And he was talking about when you're dedicated to something, being the best at something, being the best you can be. You do have to make some sacrifices. He was like, I don't mm -hmm. have time. You know, people talk to me. Have you seen the latest episode of Scandal? And he's like, no, <laughs> I don't. You know, maybe on the plane going back from my motivational speaking, I will watch it. But right now I'm preparing to go and I'm going over my speech. And that's my focus right now. Right, you know, right. I'm, I'm working on my book. I'm working on, you know, my email campaign. I'm working on this, that and the other. So, yeah, I missed the last, you know, seven or eight popular movies. I missed, you know, a lot of TV shows. I missed all that stuff going on on the internet that was a buzz. I, that just totally flew right over my head because I was not there. Right. You know, so, and sometimes you do have to be part of trends because, you know, they can help you promote yourself. But there's sometimes when you're just not involved and engaged because your dedication is giving your time to your craft right. and your business right. and, you know, your, your goals. Right. And, I remember one of the things that you said was that uh, you had something, you had uh, music and guitars were your life. Yeah, pretty and, much, and, pretty much. That's all. And that's, yeah. that's all I am, <laughs> you know, and um, and, uh, you know, one of the reasons I joined the police department really was, um, you know, I knew all of these people. I, I knew I wanted to be an artist, but I didn't want to be a starving one, you mm. know, so. Um, I knew, I knew a bunch of people, especially my dad. Um, I think he worked for the government, something like almost 40 years. I mm. said, man, I don't see myself doing anything for 40 years <laughs> except for music, mm. you know? And, um, so, um, when they, uh, police department came recruiting, they said, oh yeah, we have 20 year retirement. I said, oh, Really? And, I, and then I thought to myself, now, if I can just manage to not get killed for 20 years, I can get back to my music. And uh, that was my means to an end, because uh, I think I end up I gave I end up giving them 21 years. So I stayed an extra year and uh, until they messed with me. And I was like, mm, what you holding on for? Because I'd already bought the house in North Carolina. So I said, hey, y'all, I'm out. I gotcha. And then probably about two years later, I got back with my with my homeboy, Bill. And I was in that band for about 10 years until COVID hit. And then once COVID hit, it put us out, of, put, put us out of business. And uh, Bill just decided to call it quits. You know, nobody was mad at anybody or anything like that. He was just he said, it's just it's just time to stop. You know, 
COVID might be a warning sign. I don't know. He, he said, if he, he said, you know, he's got a lot of back problems and all that kind of stuff. So he said, nah. And, uh, so I'm, a and, and, and I don't blame him for calling it quits, but, uh, um, you know, he's still interested in doing some stuff. And um, I guess it's just a new venue, new opportunities. You know, he's still practicing. I'm still practicing, you know, and, uh, you know, the uh, the story goes on. Ain't nothing uh, finished. Oh, you know, no. Matter, no. Matter of fact, we sent we sent files back and forth to each other, you know, and we use all this musical. You know, everything's on computers now. So you can you can record into the computer uh, with what they call a digital audio workstation, DAW software. So he'll he'll send me some tracks and he said, man, put something with this. And then I'll put some, I'll put some tracks on it and send it back to him and he'll give it to somebody else. And so we still doing it. We still doing it. You know, it doesn't stop. You know, it's that, it's that passion. It's the drive. It's the dedication. Awesome. Well, you know, it's great when you have people that understand and right. people that are aligned with yeah. Because one problem that artists, and I would say any person who's got something that they're super dedicated to, sometimes we run into people who don't understand and they want to be aligned with us. They maybe even want to be in a relationship with us. And they're like, um, why are you practice? You practice yesterday. You don't need to practice today. You could, I mean, oh, why don't you just yeah. take a day off? Why don't you just, you know, you performed last week. Why you got to perform this week? You know, you what I Why are you spending so much time writing this book? You know, we should go out. We should go have fun. Let's go have drinks. You know, well, what I used I mean, to get was, I wish you touch me like you touch that guitar. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> okay. Okay. I, I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. I mean, but you know, there is balance in everything. But one thing that I don't think that people who are not in our line of work, Mm -hmm. They don't understand. As a poet, I'll speak as a poet. Okay. If I get inspired to write a poem, I really have to sit down and write the poem. I right. can't right. wait on it because inspiration is not something I control. Right. I can't just make it happen when I want it to happen when it's convenient. I right. actually have right. to do it when it strikes. Right. And it can strike in the middle of the night. I could wake up in the middle of the night and have to go in another room. If I'm in a relationship, go in another room and, and, and be writing. And right. they, they like, come back to bed. Wait, I got to finish this. I got to finish this. I will come back when I'm done, mm -hmm. you know, and see, people don't understand that. But see, if I don't do it, it will be gone. I won't right. be able to do it, it tomorrow. Yeah, I've done you know, that before. It's gone. I will have Making, lost that oh, opportunity. That's too good. I'm going to remember that. And then the next day, oh, what no. was it? No, you won't remember. It. Nope, not at all. So I've got, I have, I have guitars and keyboards in every room in the house. Hmm. So all I have to do, hit a button and okay. Okay. This is what I'm thinking about. This is what I'm thinking about. And I pull out my little recorder. If I don't want to write it down, I pull out my little recorder and I might, I might sing a melody along with it, you know, just so I have it. And really what I need to do now is because uh, sometimes I'll put it away and forget about it. And uh, what I need to do, and I'm going through all kinds of hard drives and 
and and and SD cards and all that kind of stuff to piece together all of these little grooves and stuff that I've been working on over the years and, uh, you know, put it together in a cohesive package mm. and put out something, you know, and, uh, yeah. you know, and it's, it's going, if I do put out anything, it's going to be independent. I'm not messing with no record companies. I I've heard too many horror stories. Nope, 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 nope. Not that they would be interested because my interests are all over the place. So they, uh, I know the first thing they would tell me is, who are we going to market this to? It's all over the place. It's too many different styles. Mm. You need to focus on one thing. Nah, mm. I'm good. I got you. I got you. And, and that's an interesting thing because I've had people come up to me and say, what kind of poetry do you do? And I don't know how to answer that question. I mean, I don't know. It's just poetry. Yeah, I do poetry. Yeah. Okay, so do you do political poetry? Yes. Do you do erotic poetry? Yes. Do you do family poetry? Yes. Do you do romantic poetry? Yes. Do you do nature poetry? Yes. Do you do... I do it all, okay? Yeah. I do. It's just I mean, probably the only thing I don't do is... is, is like just music. Just music. It's all the same thing. Maybe I don't do horror poetry or something like that, but besides that... Yeah, I do it all. It's poetry. Whatever. I, I am a person who lives in the world and I have experienced parenthood and death and romance and sex and all the things that people experience. I write about what I have gone through. I write about what I have seen. Um, so everything that exists, I have written about, you know, in some form or another. Um, so, yeah. So that's a very strange question to me when people ask me that, you know. Yeah. yeah. And and then speaking of you having, you know, a guitar or a keyboard in every room of the house, I have books in almost every room of my house. Right. No, the only yeah. only place I don't have books is the kitchen. But mm. I have them in the living room, I have them in the bedroom. I actually have a stack of books on on the toilet that I read <laughs> in the bathroom. So I have books everywhere. I have books in my closet. You know what? You know, you know how some te- sometimes people call the bathroom, the library. I've never heard it called that, but yeah. <laughs> some people, some people I know call they say, where are you going? Oh, I'm going to the library. <laughs> I actually have a closet mm. in my bathroom, in the master bedrooms, bathroom. Uh huh where that closet is full of books. Mm. <laughs> so it's, so mine is the library for real. <laughs> I got you, I got you. And, you know, I had a person say to me, and I have gotten rid of books. I, I have donated books to half price books because I do get too many sometimes, mm-hmm. but they will say, why do you have so many books or you don't need to buy another book? What? What? Right. I'm a writer. Of course I need to buy. I mean, I don't buy books all the time. You know, I get right. books mm-hmm. free from the library and I, I have a, a, what do you call it? Uh, a audible uh, subscription. subscription. Mm-hmm. So I can do download books. You know what I'm saying? So I don't have to necessarily buy them. I buy, I get credits and then I get so many books. Right. But yeah, I, I'm a reader. I'm a writer. Words are my life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I can't. What are you talking about? You know, that's like telling me I don't need to eat. You know, I mean, I do need to eat like I need words and words. I need words. Right. You know, so I think people don't understand that or like journals like, you know, I journal. 
In mm. fact, I'm working on a memoir right now and I'm actually going back and reading my journals since 1999 until the present. So I'm actually in about 2003 right now reading. Mm. Uh, even though the memoir is only gonna cover 2014 to 2021, it's gonna do some flashbacks to times before that. So I'm actually researching myself. So people will be like, why do you keep all those journals? They were so old. Uh, Cause I need them because I might write about stuff, right. you know, and I have ideas in there, you know? So going back to dedication, I think some people don't understand when you love music or you love words, it's not just part of your life. It's not like just, you know, books. I have them all over my house words. I, I, I you know, I need to interact with them. Um, it's part of the way that I make sense of the world. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not a it's not a hobby. It's not something I can stop. It's not something I can like today. I'm just not going to I mean, I might not write today. I don't write every single day, but I probably do read something almost mm-hmm. every single day. So right. it's it's just it's just something that's a part of my life. So I think there's a, a different kind of mindset um, that people who are really dedicated to things they just, it becomes a part of them. It becomes a part of the way that they deal with the world. You know, they get up in the morning, they do it, they go to bed and they do it. You know, they, they just do it throughout the day. Yeah. It's like you said, it's, it's not a hobby. I mean, to me, it's what I do. Yeah. I mean, you know, sometimes I imagine myself in between the notes sometimes, Mm. you know, and, um, you know, my hobby is building guitars. So, Mm. That's my hobby, mm. you know, because I, I do I don't take my guitars to to any shop. You know, I do my own modifications. I do all, my own customizations. I do my own setups, you know, because I know cats that will take their guitar to a repairman to have the strings changed. Was, to change the string, you're supposed to know how to do that <laughs> if you play. I hear you. But uh, yeah, I do all my own stuff, man. I have. uh I have about two or three guitars that I built. I've got one in the kitchen is my workshop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, what's supposed to be the dining room that's attached to the kitchen. That's uh-huh. my work. That's my workshop. I have a drill press on there and tools and it's a mess. Okay. But um, I have a, I have a guitar sitting there now that, um, that I'm working on, you know. So I have your Facebook page up on the screen. I don't know if you can see it, but it's been up there for about 20 minutes. Yeah, I saw uh, it. I, I oh, okay. It. Yeah. So what is plush funk? Because I've never heard that term before. Is that a term you came up with? No. Um, the um, George Clinton has a family series of um, CDs, albums, records, whatever you want to call it. Um, and basically it's all the songs that didn't make it to a group. It's mm. just, you know, they just pulled the tapes and mixed it and threw it in the collection. And one of those songs, um, it, uh, one of the songs was called Plush Funk. So I just, I just, I just, I've been using that as a handle or, you know, that, that goes back to the days when, um, Facebook first came out or I first got on Facebook and that was my handle at the top of the page. But then they came out with this rule. They said, well, we don't do nicknames on Facebook. You have to have, you have to use your real name. 
And so, but the address never changed. So that's why that's that way. Okay. So if people want to follow you, I put your Facebook up there. Is there anything mm -hmm. else that you want to know about where they can follow you or where they can see you perform or where they can hear your music? Yeah. Uh, right now I'm just slowly getting uh, a few gigs back. So my performances are few and far between. The only one that I know about is in December, December 4th. And I'll be performing with Mads Johnson. She's on the Facebook too. And uh, um, what is it? February 26th in Whiteville, North Carolina. I'm working with uh, a jazz jazz artist. Well, he doesn't like to be called a jazz artist. He's a, he's a musician because he does a little bit of everything. But he's out of Philly, a cat named um, Jamaluddin Takuma. And so I'm going to be working with him on the 26th. He just called me a few days ago to ask me to uh, block off that date for him. And uh, so that's pretty much all I have going on right now, you know. And um, I'm just sitting here practicing, getting myself together, you know, trying to have as little contact with the uh, with the uh, um the outside elements because the COVID is still running around. So, you know, I'm masking up, getting my vaccines and all that good stuff. You I know. got you. I got you. I got you. So that's what's going on with me. Well, I appreciate you coming on and talk about dedication and we got to wrap up. Is there anything that you wanted to say to the people before we sign off on this uh, episode? Yeah. Get yourself together. Be dedicated. Don't play around. You got to go, go after it because you're going to always wonder what if I had, what if I could have, what if I should have? Don't leave those questions unanswered. Well, I like that. I like that. And so uh, I've mentioned that I have lots of insp inspirational merchandise. These are magnetic bookmarks. This is a pack of 10, you know, so I sell these 10 for $10. This is a pack of six. You can see they each have different sayings on them. So I sell that for $6. I also sell oh, affirmation cards. <laughs> so I'm going to show the audience um, a couple other things. This is a set of, uh, this is one of my guided journals. I'm actually going to be releasing to Amazon soon. So this is a $20 pack. So you get the workbook, the journal, you know, different other inspirational things in there. This is a $15 pack. These are different concepts in there. So it kind of looks like this. This is what a page looks like when you're done. So it has a journal prompts at the top. It has a place for you to put an ancestor that inspires you, a contemporary that inspires you, a vision board spot, and you get a blank journal that comes with it. So like this is the journal. I got it upside down. So you actually get tabs that come with it. So when you tab your journal, then you can answer, you know, the journal prompts in there. And you can write about that person, that role model. So I wrote about Langston Hughes because he was the first black writer to make a living from his writing. I wrote about Oprah Winfrey because, of course, she's a billionaire because the first topic was abundance. You know, so those are some things I have. I also have um, motivational bands with different sayings. Like this one says courage. And I have motivational keychains. This one says Hard work beats talent. And I also have little silver keychains. You know, this one says, you are my sunshine. 
you know, so they say different things. Uh, so I do a lot of vending. And these are the affirmation cards. I just dropped them. So you get a pack of 10 for $5. They say different things. So I have a whole bunch of inspirational merchandise. So you got merch. Also you got merch. <laughs> I got merch. I, I have t-shirts. Yeah, I have t-shirts and mugs and all kind of things. So, you and know. Where, where you get that at laughsandlyrics.com? Laughsandlyrics.com slash shop. Uh -huh. Is where all, all the merchants you just saw right. is there. I also have another website that's a print on demand workshop a website. Mm -hmm. That's where t-shirts and mugs and pillows and totes and all that stuff, Got hoodies, it. tanks, mm -hmm. you know, so I have like 14 different designs that I've created over my three years of performing because we had all kind of slogans mm -hmm. that we came up with for the show or even, even a uh, show titles, you know, that were like, right catchy and mm -hmm. so we put that on different bits of merchandise and so well, don't yeah be surprised. i might get something from you all right awesome that's that's great that's great i appreciate that yeah well i want to thank you guys who've been out in the audience and who will watch this on the replay thank you people um, <laughs> yes for uh joining us on facebook and thank the people who are going to be streaming this you know in the future i want to thank you for joining us and I would like to say, may you walk in Zenergy. Have a great night. Good night. My name is Zen Ashe, and I have a weekly podcast called Zenergy, which is fuel for the mind, body, and soul. And this is the Zenergize Your Life Goal Setting Package, Volume 1. It comes with the workbook, a journal, stickers, a bookmark, tabs, and a QR code where you can find my podcast. And inside this workbook, you're going to have 16 different principles. The first one I'm going to show you mine is abundance. You have a place to put pictures that inspire you of role models, also pictures of goals that you want to create, goals, journal prompts, meditations, affirmations, all kinds of things to help you focus on this principle to better your life. And like I said, there's 16 principles. So this is a $15 package that comes with all of these things I've shown you, $21 with shipping and handling, and you can get it at laughsandlyrics.com. So Zenergize your life with me. Thank you.